Welcome to Owen the Saints podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis, and I'm in Florida. And with me is my co-host, Jack, who is in the south of France this week. Jack, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, Patrick. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. A bit down in the dumps after that performance, which we'll come on to. Um, we are chatting straight after the first game of the season uh, away at Crystal Palace, a 1-0 defeat for Southampton, and all in all, a pretty dreadful performance, which we'll come on to. Um, but yeah, I'm in Florida, you're in France, we're international Saints fans at the moment. <laughs> we are, we are. France is great, having a brilliant time, not looking forward to the two-week quarantine on the other end. <laughs> not sure how I'm going to fill my time there, but apart from that, it's been, it's been brilliant out here. How's, how's things in Florida? Yeah, fine. Um, everybody has basically got their head in the sand and nobody is paying much attention to the virus anymore, which seems to be um the american or at least the floridian way of dealing with it um <laughs> so so yeah i mean I'm, I'm keeping myself to myself really going out a little <laughs> bit might go out a bit later um for a drink but yeah not no no mention of lockdown or anything like that here i know guys in the uk um have had some restrictions put in uh, again from boris and the bods in the uk government but not mm. much going on here um so yeah we wanted to introduce a new feature, didn't we, this week? A little feature we that did. we're going we're to do every week. Um, we love Saints, but we also love beer. So We, we live would, and breathe beer. We, we do. We live and breathe Saints, but we also live and breathe beer. So we thought, you know what? Why not combine our two passions? And every week when we record an episode, we'll have a little beer. And then we'll tell the listeners what we're drinking. To be honest, Pat, when you, when you, when you pitched this to me, I thought this was the the idea that's going to propel Owen the Saints to the next level. Yeah, this is taking us to the next level. And we want, um, yeah, listeners can listen along, have a little beverage and tweet us what they're drinking while they're listening. Um, and, and I'm going to be completely honest, I'm thinking sponsorship. <laughs> we want free crates. We want free crates. So we are going to, we're willing to shout out any beer, um, any brewery. We are willing to shout it out if you send us some free crates. So... Very upfront, very honest. That's why we're doing doing this. But Jack, you're in France. We're, we're starting basic, aren't we? We're starting basic. You're in France, so what's the most basic French beer you could get? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to get something a little bit more exciting for this feature, but you didn't give me too much time, and there's very limited options where I am in France at the moment. But I'm I'm going with a Cronenberg 1664, a lovely crisp French lager. It's going down a tree. It's going down a bit too well, actually. Um, but as you said before very much needed after watching that performance at Sellers Park. What are, you, what are you drinking? Yeah, so similar for me. As you said, we haven't really given ourselves enough time to get some, some interesting beers, which we, which we will, maybe some craft, craft ales for future episodes. But this week, keeping it nice and simple with a Dos Equis Mexican lager. Really Lovely. nice, really light, refreshing, exactly what you want when you're in Florida and it's 95 degrees and 90% humidity. So yeah, Dos Equis this week. And as, as you said, you need alcohol after watching that performance at Selhurst Park because, I mean, I don't really know where to start. Um, I guess, I guess we'll start with the goal. Um, and who was at fault for you there? 
It was a poor ball from Romeo. I think he, he, I think he tried to pick out Redmond in midfield, and it was just never on. That pass was never on. It got nicked. Um, and people talk about how I think the commentators we had it on BT Sport. Here, the commentators were talking about how much the fullbacks push on for Southampton, and that leaves us exposed. I don't, you know, take you know pay too much attention to that because I think that is one part of our game that suits us very well and that's one of the reasons why we're very good we got caught out because of the poor pass so I don't put any blame on Bertrand or Walker Peters because it was just yeah essentially I think it was just a, a bad decision from the midfielder at the time um, yeah and at the end Zaha put it away didn't he, he didn't give McCarthy any chance so I think it was just a, a very poor decision in midfield when we could have gone backwards we could have maybe turn the defence and put them under a bit more pressure but we played a pass that was never on in my opinion yeah no I agree with you I think I tweeted out at the time um, a lot of people were commenting on our high fullbacks but I think Ralph had clearly targeted that as a way to get out Palace because they're very narrow they play 4-4-2 yeah. they're very compact um, obviously Smallbone and Redmond tuck in and our fullbacks offer the width now they did get caught out but that's because Romeo's hospital pass to Redmond Redmond didn't put up much of a fight um, but it was a real hospital pass. And then from there, they counted it and stuck it away. I mean, everybody knows our opening day record is absolutely dreadful. Um, but our record at Selhurst Park was actually good. We won there three times in mm. a row. Um, the commentators had, had mentioned that we'd never, we've never beaten a team four times um, in a row away from home in a top flight. So that, that continues. Um, we, we're typically mm. really good at Selhurst Park, but we just didn't turn up today. Losing 1-0... Yeah, really, really disappointing performance all round. We've already mentioned Romeo, and for me, he was a he was a pick of a bad bunch. Really, I thought he was he was one paced. He looked like laboured. He was puffing. He mm. was so so slow, um, and that's the Romeo that I remember seeing earlier on last season. Now, obviously, he, he was really really good in Project Restart alongside Ward Prowse once Hoiberg was was out of the picture, but this is this is the Romeo that we've seen. A number of times, and I think it's the reason why Ralph is is desperate to get in that replacement for Hoiberg because we can't we can't continue going into games and think we're going to get positive results when we've got Romeo mm. and and Ward Prowse in midfield with absolutely no depth behind that. Yeah, and I think for me, I, I get frustrated when I go on Twitter and I hear Saints fans like analyze game by game and get very high when we win and very low when we lose. Yeah. And Romeo is one of those ones where we know his limitations, we know his abilities. I think myself included and maybe a lot of people got quite a bit excited in terms of what he could do after Project Restart in those nine games or eight games or whatever. He was very, very good. Um, and again, I'm not writing him off now because I think he'll, he'll play against Brentford or Spurs coming up. But I, I think this game, you tweeted it out, reinforces the fact that we need another mm. midfielder. We can't play Walprowse and Romeo. They were good at the back end of last season, but when you're, when you're playing against a team like Palace that will just sit in front of you and say, break us down and we'll catch you on the break, it's just impossible when you've got two midfielders that are very much like flat-footed and they're not very dynamic and they're not taking it, the, the game to the opposition. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too down about this game because I think it was a poor performance and I think we will definitely improve from that. Like you said, our opening day record is abysmal, but we definitely need new bodies in that central midfield position. Yeah, Romeo should be our depth, basically. And we should have two mm. starters, someone alongside Ward Prowse, and then with Romeo offering a bit of depth at the moment. 
he's in there as a first choice player and it's just it's just not going to work over the course of the season it didn't work today and and we don't have any evidence that's going to show that it's going to work over the course of the season so um yeah ralph just needs to go to the board put on that performance and say to them look this is what's going to this is what's going to happen week in week out if we don't reinforce mm. um our central midfield and and i mean that's even without any suspensions or injuries in there so god knows who we'd be playing if one of those two went down um we've left ourselves very very short in a critical part of the pitch which is which is disappointing considering how how promising and how how much optimism there was coming off the back of last season um to to kind mm. of put in a performance like that is is a little bit um demoralizing but i think you're right we can't get too down in the dumps about it we've got a game against brentford on wednesday and then we've got spurs at home on sunday um just going back to the palace game um they obviously went 1-0 up kind of early on in the first half. They had another chance with Scott Dan. Um, and I wanted to kind of talk about someone else that was getting a target of a little bit of criticism on social media as I was watching the game, and that was Will Smallbone. Um, what did you make of his performance, obviously stepping in for the injured Stuart Armstrong? Um, in that mm. first half, he really found it difficult, didn't he, as Palace were, were on top um, and went 1-0 up, and, and we weren't really creating much. Yeah, I mean, I think we we were all very, you know, we praised him a lot back in the last season. And I think it's been well documented how much Ralph rates him. And you tweeted it before the game. It's great that they've got a lot of faith with him to put him in that team. I didn't think Gineppo was ever going to start. It was good to see him get on the pitch. But I think Will Smallbone was the right person to play. Um, but I think it did show how much we missed Stuart Armstrong today. Um, on that right-hand side, I think he linked up with Carl Walker-Peters very well. And I think... Smallbone maybe left him a little bit exposed, Walker Peters, with his you know, defensive, defensive side to the game. Um, what I would say is that I don't think right midfield is Smallbone's best position. I think going through the Samson youth team, I don't think he's really played right midfield that much. He's definitely more central midfielder. But um, I think one thing that I would say, Will Smallbone, in his best performances, he played off the top of my head, it was Watford when we went away to Watford and he played very well. I think he got an assist for a Danny Ings goal there. Crystal Palace are a different team to Watford. They're a lot more quick and athletic and pacey. And I think that kind of goes against his strengths where he's more technical and he plays almost like a central midfielder on the right-hand side. When you've got very quick and pacey and athletic players, um, very good players, don't get me wrong. They've got you know a lot of tricky players and cause a lot of problems. But... I just think when you've got someone like Will Smallburn that's quite slow and you know he's not going to beat a fullback, it it almost didn't really give us that outlet on the right hand side that we needed and that we often have in in previous games. So again, I think he, it wasn't his best performance, but um, you know, we've got Gineppo to come in and hopefully, hopefully Armstrong's injury isn't too much of a serious one. Yeah, I mean he's a big, big miss. Um, we knew that before the game, and and today's game just even. Um, just reinforced that really. You mentioned Walker Peters. I thought he had a rough outing as well. Um, obviously difficult going up, as you said, the likes of Zaha and and Ayu's pretty quick, and then Eze came on as well. He had a tough, tough matchups, but it was another difficult game for him. I remember him him having a difficult game against Man United. Um, when he's not able to kind of get forward, I think there are. Uh, frailties defensively um, and he gave the ball away quite a few times um, and it's another one where we can't get too 
high on him when he puts in a good performance and too low on him when he puts on in, in a poor performance. But today was difficult. And I think you're probably right in diagnosing the fact that he had a, a small bone in front of him rather than Armstrong. Um, and that's to say the same for Bertrand, really. I thought he had a difficult game. Um, gave the ball away sloppily a few times, got mm. into promising positions down the left and overhit the delivery on the cross a couple of times as well. And you could tell Ralph was just getting frustrated because nothing was clicking for us going forward. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, I think fullbacks in general, fullbacks in general has become much more of an important position in modern football. There's been so much emphasis placed on new signings. Guardiola does at City. Klopp's obviously sorted out those positions at Liverpool. And I think it's so important for Southampton to have good fullbacks to provide that width. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely put a lot of our poor performance down today to the fact that Walker Peters and Bertrand weren't at their best bombing on when they do those underlapping and overlapping runs. And yeah, I think a lot of you could pick out a lot of players that weren't at their best. Redmond, I'm sure, will come on to him, but he didn't have a brilliant game. But I think that the width of Southampton is so, so important. When we're playing well, it's always coming down, mm. coming through those positions. And yeah, just wasn't on it today. I mean, it's, it's disappointing as well from the fact that Palace's back line was makeshift as well. They had Kuyate starting at centre-back. Um, they were missing several defenders. And we had Ings and Adams up front and they didn't really get in the game at all. Now, part of that is they've got to take responsibility responsibility for that. They didn't really get in the game. But at the same time, we were pumping aimless long balls up to them at, at various points. And, and it was just really, really difficult. Now, Ralph changed it at half-time, bringing on Vestergaard for Bednarak. And it, it made an immediate difference, didn't it? It was, it, was, we, it was crying out for a tactical tweak. Ralph changed it. And we were unfortunate not to get back in the game pretty quickly. We created a couple of opportunities. Um, the main one being for, for Che Adams, um, who was unfortunate. Catching it first time, um, great hit, but it was kind of straight at uh, the Palace keeper, Gator. And mm. that's kind of like old Che Adams, where... He'd get in the position. He'd execute the shot brilliantly. It was just he's just getting unlucky. Um, now in Project Restart, that probably would have flown in the in the bottom corner. Um, but there was another opportunity created for Redmond, who should have done better. Um, some great interplay um, between I think it was Adams, Ings, and then out mm. to to Redmond, and he kind of it was a half-hearted scuff straight at the keeper again. But Ralph changed it, didn't he, with Vestergaard? And, and I thought he came on and he did he did really well the, um, the centre back. He did. He did. I thought he made a good um, contribution to the game. That Che Adams chance, it was one of them that, like you said, he did everything right. He put it on target. When you've got those kind of chances, you just want to be concentrating on the ball coming across and hitting it sweetly. And he did that exactly right. Everyone knows how poor um, his goal scoring form was last season. I do. I still am. And I think we spoke to David Monday, who's the fantasy football expert. And a lot of people are backing Che Adams to have a better season this season. I'm firmly in that camp because I think he does have all the attributes and I'm hoping that he'll be almost like a new signing for Southampton similar to Gineppo. But um, yeah, it was just, it was just frustrating that went straight out the keeper. It was really disappointing. And Ings had another chance near the end when it went straight out the keeper, but onto that Redmond chance. Again, he's someone that we talk about a lot and I was watching the game with a few of my friends here in France and they were asking me about Nathan Redmond because he seems to be, to pop up every now and then with something brilliant. And I think a lot of questions get asked about him in terms of what's he really like. And what I always say is that he's just so inconsistent. 
He's so inconsistent. If he had that, if he had that consistency, he would be playing at a bigger club potentially in Europe. But it's those kind of chances that the top players would just put in the bottom corner. But it obviously came off like almost like his heel and it just goes straight out the keeper. And it's that's a massive chance. You've, you're literally if that, if that comes to you in training when someone sets it to the left, you're expected to find the corner as a professional footballer. But it's just that that lack of concentration to put it away ultimately costs points in the Premier League, and that is the reason why he is not you know one you know knocking on the door for the England squad. Yeah, that was less than a minute into the second half as well. Um, we'd we'd made the change at half time, um, and we created that like uh, clearly our best opportunity. Um, and yeah, he should have buried it. I mean, the, whenever I speak to, I've got friends that are kind of Liverpool fans, Chelsea fans, United fans. And whenever I speak to them about Redmond, like the thing that I say is he's a match of the day player. And, it, and if you're like a Chelsea fan and you see him score a screamer like he did against Palace last season and you're watching match of the day, you're like, wow. Oh yeah, Nathan Redmond's actually really good. Um, yeah. That's what he's capable of. And every now and then, maybe three or four times a season, he'll pop up on match of the day scoring a screamer or, or a great assist and that's what he's capable of but if you're a Saints fan and you watch him every week you see the other mm. side of it you see him every week where we play against the likes of Palace or Burnley or Newcastle where he should be um, contributing or at least creating yeah. lots of opportunities for our strikers or creating opportunities for himself and it just doesn't happen and it's so frustrating because three games down the line he'll have an amazing game and you're like mm. oh yeah that's what he can do um, and that's that's how important he is to our team. But then we have games like today where he was on the fringe and really I don't remember him contributing anything other than that scuffed shot, which should have been a goal. But he, yeah, a lack of concentration or a lack of technique, just just let him down at a crucial moment. Um, but yeah, that, that was hugely frustrating. Um, we were better in the second half. And I think... Uh, uh, what we mentioned before about fullbacks being key to Ralph's tactics, that Vestergaard switch um, with Bednarak was, was part of was part of um, part of that in terms of unlocking our fullbacks because they continued to push high in the second half, and Vestergaard is a much better passer, much better on the ball than Bednarak, and and started to pick out um, Walker Peters particularly with kind of diagonal balls, um, and and we looked dangerous in that position. Walker Peters looks dangerous when he goes forward. Um, so from that point of view, from a tactical switch, it worked. Unfortunately, the Adams chance and then, and then the Ings opportunity at the very end came from a, a diagonal ball out to Walker-Peters, who then crossed it first time and Ings got in front of his marker. And that was like the 94th minute. And that was the opportunity to kind of salvage a point, which I think on the balance of play, um, we might have been a touch lucky to get that just because other things to mention in the second half, what was the red card um, that was rescinded for Walker-Peters. What did you make uh, of that decision from John Moss um, when you first saw the red come out? Were you, like me, like that is incredibly harsh? Or did you think <laughs> in real time that it looked like a red card? Well, one thing that I would say is I'm, I was watching the game with a few Liverpool mates of mine and we have... I don't know how to put it, but like sometimes they would take the mickey out of Saints and I'd take the mickey out of Liverpool just because of previous history between the two clubs. But one of my good mates, Ollie, couldn't believe the red card. And I think that's the uh the uh what what I would say is like almost like a benchmark in terms of that it was the worst decision. It was an awful decision. <laughs> I think like I was watching it with him and he was just like, that was never a red. And he's the type of person that even if it was a little bit borderline, he would say that was that was a straight red. But um yeah, yeah it was just the way he was pulling his foot back. If he, if he goes forward to the ball and you've got a lot of force into the ball and you extend your leg 
it's a reckless tackle. But mm -hmm. if you dangle your leg up to try and win the ball and you realise that you've got your leg there, you're going to lose it, you're going to lose the battle and you draw your leg back. It's a simple decision in terms of like, he got the tackle wrong, he mistimed it, it's not a red card. So it was, it was the right decision. I was happy to see how quickly it took. So I think that is what the AR is all about, isn't it? Just go have a quick look at the monitor. Right, got that one wrong, yellow card. So right decision. No, absolutely. I mean, when that red card came out, I wasn't really paying attention when it happened. And I was, when the red card came out, I was like, I, it looked high. Obviously, Walker Peters' foot was high and he caught him. And then you see that one replay and you're like, that's never a red card. Um, so yeah. We were on the right side of that VAR decision, um, overturned early in the second half. And then towards the end of the game, Palace um, could have made it 2-0. Well, they did make it 2-0 and that got overturned on VAR. Um, Wilfred mm. Zaha um, kind of breaking clear and it was offside by the tightest of margins. Um, really, really, really tight. And that's a danger, isn't it? Because Palace didn't really threaten at all in the second half, but we were playing a high line. And when you've got Stevens and Bednarak, who are um, not the quickest, uh, two centre-backs that a ball over the top and Zaha was away. Um, we got a, a little bit fortunate um, there, but VAR again coming to our rescue. And you just thought at that point that maybe we'd be able to nick a point with those two things going our way, but not to be. Not to be. And I think, you know, everyone talks about Slanton's defence. And I think if you, if you told me at the back end of last season that we would start this season with that same back four, I would maybe be slightly disappointed because although they did finish the season quite well, I think, there's, I think there is improvements to be made in that central defensive position. And I saw Ralph's comments midweek. He was talking about Salisu and that after the October international break, he's hoping that he's going to make an impact in the team. Hopefully him coming in that, on, in that left-sided centre-back position will, um, you know, solidify us defensively because there definitely are frailties there. I think it's, you're playing against a team like Palace that, like you said, are going to be struggling this season. They're not one of the best teams in the division. If you're not, if you're not beating them, you're going to struggle this season. So we can't look that open. There was a few times in, in that game that we just watched today that there was just one ball. If they got it right, they're through. And the Zaha disallowed goal proved that. It was one pass and he was just in on Alex McCarthy. And it was like, hang on, that was way too easy for a Premier League team to get cut open like that. So hopefully, I don't know if watching this game might speed up Ralph's plans to get Salisu into the team. But um, I think there definitely are improvements to be made there. Yeah, well, Stevens picked up a knock, didn't he, inside the yeah. first 10 minutes and kind of thought, uh-oh, uh um, we're going to have to make an early change. And, and then we did make a change at halftime, but it was Benarak that came off. So I... I guess that means Stevens was was fine, and it was and it was just a knock because the way that it kind of, his knee kind of opened up a little bit on the commentary here. I was worried, was speculating that he he tweaked ligaments or something, but he but he went on to play the full game. So um, mm. we'll wait and see what Ralph has to say there. Um, for me, this game is just uh, shades of our performances against similar teams to Palace last year, when like the likes of Burnley, Newcastle, um, West Ham teams around us or teams that we are aiming to finish above this season we just really really struggle to break them down when they just put two banks of four in front of us um, mm. and I can't see us that, that getting any better when we've got Romeo and Will Prowse in midfield just because we just don't have any incisiveness we don't have anybody to unlock the door um, yeah. So yeah who that who that is I don't know I mean you'd like to think that Saints have been looking for a while from for that midfielder we've known that Hoiberg's leaving since what april 
Um, yeah. I don't yeah. know if it's the case that they put all their eggs in the Western McKenney basket and then that ended up not happening and now they're a bit kind of searching for their second, third, fourth choice midfield target. Um, and Cham has been mentioned as well. He was playing today for Celtic. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of gone quiet on targets, on midfield targets, but they need to do something and they need to do it fast. Yeah, I mean, if I was going to sum up that game today, I would just say poor performance, but not the end of the world because I think we know what the improvements are going to you know, bring to Southampton. And um, essentially, we need another midfielder. I don't think you can start a Premier League season with Romeo Ward-Prowse and Will Smallbone, who's not even really played that much in midfield. I went to the game last season where we went to West Ham and he did start in midfield and we did look quite open and they beat us 3-1, I think. So yeah, yeah. It's, it, it literally is... You know, you're setting yourself up for an awful season if you're saying there are three options. So I would be so, so surprised if we don't bring in another midfielder because you look at other teams and the depth they've got in that position. That's one of the most important positions on the pitch. You look at the top teams in the league and I know obviously they've got a lot more money than Southampton, but you'd expect to have four, five and maybe even six players that can play in that position in different competitions and coming off the bench. So to start with two you know, um, you know, professional players that have played in the Premier League for a while and one youngster coming in that's only played right midfield is just, yeah, not enough. Not enough. It's laughable, really. <laughs> that is yeah, it position, is um, Which is a shame. But I, I guess that wraps it up um, from the Palace game. I think you've summed it up nicely that very disappointing performance, but um, yeah, on to the next one. And hopefully this focuses the mind of the board a little bit and, and they pull their fingers out and, and they make something happen. Um, as we mentioned at the top of the show, it's Brentford in the Carrara Cup in a week and then we'll be chatting again next week on uh, after, the, after Spurs at home. Um, so that's our next Premier League game. Our fixtures are relatively kind. I think I remember talking to you about a fixture list. Um, Palace away was, was definitely one that we would have been targeting points. Um, but we've got a couple of other games coming up as well. We'll be targeting points. Um, but we really can't afford to make as slow a start as we did last season because it just, for one thing, blood pressure-wise, we need we don't need that, do we? We don't need that um, that stress of, of a slow start. I, I, can't, I think it was like eight points from 12 games or something last season. Yeah, no, it was really frustrating the game today to not start off with a positive result, but... Um... Hopefully we move on to Spurs next week. It'll be a difficult game. We'll see how they get on against Everton. But um, yeah, hopefully we get a positive result there. But I think Brentford's an interesting one in midweek because he's got he's got a few players there. I think it was interesting that Oberfemi didn't come on and Long came on today. So there'll be a few players that will want to get some minutes. And after a very strange pre-season where usually you see a lot of matches and you see players get a lot of minutes. But this pre-season, you know, I haven't... I've barely seen any content being uh, pushed out on Samson's channels, but um, I think Brentford will be an interesting test because they're obviously a good good championship team and hopefully we'll see the likes of Obafemi and Gineppo and I'm sure there'll be the likes of Smallbone and, and Vokins playing as well. So, um, yeah, interesting one, but we um, we march on to Spurs next week. <laughs> we do. How's the Cronenberg treating you? I need another one, actually. Oh. Need another one. Yeah, that's okay. gone down far too easily. <laughs> still think still thinking about that result actually. So um gonna have to get a few more in this evening, I think. Right. I'll let you get back to your mates then, your Liverpool mates. Uh they've just kicked off against Leeds in their first game, so I'm sure you're gonna want to go 
and watch that with a few more Cronenbergs. Yeah, absolute pleasure, Pat. I'm going to head down and watch that. Hopefully Leeds cause an upset there. It'll be quite a laugh this evening. Ooh, that but, that um, would be nice, yeah. It would be nice. But yeah, look forward to speaking to you next week after hopefully a more positive result. Um, and we can talk about more, you know, a goal maybe, which, which would be a nice. A goal would be lovely. A goal would be lovely. Right. Well, thank you very much for joining, <laughs> joining me. And thank you to everybody for listening. Speak to you next week.